So I'm so happy to be back in Krishna House. <clears throat> you, you may not believe this, but I lived here for one semester while I was teaching across the street. <laughs> you remember, 2006, yes. That was it, yeah. Times have changed for the better. <clears throat> Nama Om Vishnu Padaya Krishna Prasthaya Bhutale Srimate Bhakti Vedanta Swamin Itinami Namaste Saraswati Devi Gauravani Pracharine Nirvishesha Shunyavadi Paschatya Deshatari Mancha Kalpatruyascha Kripa Sindhubya Evacha Patitanam Bhavanebhyo Vaishnavebhyo Namavona E Krishna Karuna Sindhu Ninavando Jagatate Gopesha Gopika Kanta Radha Kanta Namaste Tapta Kanchana Gorangi Radhe Vrindavaneshwari Rishavanu Siti Ehi Pranamani Hari Jai Shri Krishna Chaitanya Prabhu Nityananda Shiva Sadi Gona Bhakta Vrinda Hare Krishna Hare Krishna 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 Hare 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 Rama Hare Rama 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 This morning I thought uh, for appropriate to the occasion of Shiva Prabhupada Tirobhava Titi. Um, sometimes devotees say we're celebrating the disappearance day of Shiva Prabhupada. I don't personally like to call it a celebration. I like to think of it as an observance. Um, maybe observance is not the perfect word, but somehow celebration doesn't work for me. But on this day of observing Prabhupada's departure, um, in 1977, I thought it's nice to hear uh, Prabhupada um, some part of a, uh, a lecture that he gave at a university. Since we're here at a university, I thought it's interesting how, how he spoke uh, at Brandeis University in Boston. Have you uh, given any talks in Brandeis? I've never been there myself. Srila Prabhupada begins, this was in April of 1969. And uh, so it's still quite early in his um, preaching mission. And he begins, uh, apparently, after a kirtan, which went on, he says, for um, approximately exactly half an hour. <laughs> he says that in the lecture. So then he, then he uh, recites the mantra, which perhaps many of you know, Om Ajnana Timirandasya Gyananjana Shalakaya Chakshurun Militam Yena Tasmai Shri Gurave Namaha I offer my respectful obeisances unto the lotus feet of my spiritual master who has opened my eyes of ignorance with the torch of knowledge. Um, shala, uh, a shalaka uh, is 
is a, a sharp device, apparently, and chakshu unmilitam, opening of the eyes. Who is doing this opening? It is the guru. This is from the Gautamiya Tantra. Interesting text. Then he begins, he says, my dear boys and girls, <laughs> I thank you very much for participating in our Sankirtana. It is very simple. Chanting the 16 words, Hare Krishna, Hare Krishna, Krishna Krishna, Hare Hare, Hare Nama, Hare Nama, Nama Nama, Hare Actually, there are only three words, Hare, Krishna, and Rama. So, what I find fascinating about the beginning of this lecture is how Srila Prabhupada pitches himself right into his message in a very straightforward way, in a very inviting way, encouraging. So then he says, it is not difficult. Everyone can immediately, within seconds, can chant these three names, Hare Krishna and Rama. But to make it still easier and suitable, they have been arranged in two lines of eight words each line. That is very rhythmic. And one feels immediately transcendental pleasure to chant. <laughs> and then he goes on. It is not hackneyed. Has anyone ever heard this word hackneyed? You don't use it very often, do you? Unless you're talking about a very boring professor, I guess. <laughs> it is not hackneyed. We have chanted about exactly half an hour. <laughs> but if we chant even 24 hours, we'll never feel tired. That is the significance, practical. Now notice, Prabhupada is already kind of suggesting that although he's saying, you know, it's, it's a fun thing, it's easy, anyone can do it, and it's not boring, he's saying you could do it for 24 hours. And, you know, yes, there are devotees who chant Hare Krishna practically 24 hours a day. So that, you know, he, he goes right to the depths at the same time that he uh, says, uh, yeah, you could... You could do this. That is the significance. Practical. You will feel more and more enthusiastic to chant. <clears throat> and then he gives uh, evidence, so to say. He says, our boys and girls do that. So probably he had a few of the devotees with him on the stage. In the beginning, of course, you may not understand, but you take to this practice of chanting, you'll feel immediately transcendental pleasure. So he's, he's kind of making a promise. You do this and there's no doubt that you will feel, excuse me, this result. <clears throat> then he goes on. I saw, although some of you could not join us in dancing and chanting, but you were from, from your seat, you were trying to dance. <laughs> what does that mean? From your seat, you were trying to dance. Okay. I was trying to dance. <laughs> that I have seen. He says, it is practical. We have seen 
even children, they immediately take to this dancing and chanting. So it is not very difficult. The most easy process of transcendental realization. We don't ask you to press your nose or put your head downwards or make some gymnastic. No. In whatever condition you are, it doesn't matter. You simply chant the 16 names. There is no secrecy. Now there's a context, there's a historical context here. Um, whether or not these students were aware, some of them might have been aware. There was a guru in India who was promoting a practice of meditation and the mantras uh, that were being, that were on offer from him were um, secret. You, and how could you get such mantra? You pay something. Uh, so Prabhupada is kind of anticipating that as an option. He's aware that these students have options in terms of meditation, there are different um, processes on offer. So he's advertising here. He's giving an advertisement. Ours is very easy. Anyone can do it. There's no charge. That's the next thing he says. He says, <laughs> we are not charging any fees that, quote, you pay me so many dollars, I'll give you a secret mantra and you chant, no, it is open, it is distributed freely. Simply you have to take it, that's all. The result will be, oh, great. And now he says, he's again, he's addressing students and he's aware of this. Uh, he's such an expert preacher, he says, make an experiment because many of them may have been science students. Okay, make an experiment. You have no loss. You haven't got to pay anything. But if you take this, the result will be very, very great, which has no comparison in this world. That is practical. And he goes on, this is, I'm really struck by some things he says here. So, result is, that is stated by Lord Chaitanya Mahaprabhu. Okay, now he's going to give some background, some, um, what are the bona, bona fides, what are the, um, what's the, the backup, uh, what is the authority for this? That is stated by Lord Chaitanya Mahaprabhu, who inaugurated this movement. You see this picture, and apparently there was a Panchatattva picture um, that everyone can see. Um, he says, you see this picture, five learned brahmanas. Five learned brahmanas, he says. Now that seems to be assuming that they know what a brahmana is. Somehow in... Prabhupada is, and he's seeing all of his audience. I would argue he's seeing them all as Brahmins or potential Brahmins. Five learned Brahmins. In the center, there is one picture who is Lord Chaitanya. He started this movement when he was only 17 years old, a boy, a boy only, a schoolboy. <laughs> So he wants to suggest, because these are college students, they're most of them older than 17 years old, um, that, you know, even younger than you, someone has started this movement. And he goes on on that point. He was student, <laughs> but he introduced this movement 500 years ago. And some of the elderly men, as you see, one elderly man with beard, referring to Advaita Charya, uh, he also helped him and the others. 
Actually, this movement was originally started by young boys. Sri Chaitanya Mahaprabhu, Nityananda Prabhu, and Advaita Prabhu, they started. And there was a great agitation against them by the brahmanas, priestly brahmanas at that time. So now he, he launches, he doesn't go further into this story, but, um, you know, of, of the uh, resistance to Lord Chaitanya's Harinam Sankirtan, but um, he alludes to it. Uh, so Lord Chaitanya Mahaprabhu picked up these 16 words from Vedic literature. It is not that he manufactured anything. No, in the Vedic way, there is no question of manufacturing something, religious process, no. Just like you cannot manufacture law. So now he gives an, an, an example, an analogy. Just like you cannot manufacture law, in your state, privately, you cannot manufacture law. The law is given by the state. Similarly, any process, any process for self-realization, you cannot manufacture. That is to be taken directly from God and his representatives. That is the verdict of Srimad Bhagavatam. Dharmam tu sakshat bhagavat pranitam. Real religious principles are enacted by the Supreme Personality of Godhead. Um, well, I don't believe he said all of this. He, the translation is here in brackets. It says, real religious principles are enacted by the Supreme Personality of Godhead. Although fully situated in the modes of goodness, even the great rishis who occupy the topmost planets cannot ascertain the real religious principles, nor can the demigods or the leaders of Siddhavoka to say nothing of the asuras, ordinary human beings, vidyatras, and charanas. When I first read this, I was thinking Prabhupada read out or spoke this translation, and I was thinking, oh, he's introducing demigods, asuras, vidyatras, and charanas to these, these students. That's pretty amazing. But no, apparently not. But what he does do is, um, in the next line, he introduces Bhagavad Gita. In the Bhagavad Gita also, it is stated. <laughs> so if you're not convinced by Srimad Bhagavatam, they've never, they've never heard of Srimad Bhagavatam. They have no idea what it is. And, and he doesn't even give the translation. He just says, Natevidu Svartagating Hivishnu. Right, okay. So then he quotes Bhagavad Gita. Yada yada hi dharmasya glanir bhavati bharat abhyutanam dharmasya tadatmanam srijamyaham. And he doesn't quote that verse. He doesn't translate that verse either. <laughs> um, well, he sort of partially, he says, whenever there's discrepancies in the religious principles, then the Lord says that I appear to establish the real purpose of religiosity. That is going on. So according to our Vedic principle, there is no question of manuf... So he's, he's on this point. We're not manufacturing anything. So again, he says, there's no question of manufacturing a new type of religion. No. So Lord Chaitanya introduced this Hare Krishna movement, not that he manufactured something. No. <laughs> okay. And he's going to go on with authority, uh, the authority of the tradition. He, he quotes Agni Purana. He says there are 18 Puranas. Uh, there's another Purana called the Brahma Vaivarta Purana. Um, and, um, and, then, and then he refers to this age. He says, in this age of Kali. So again, picture students. They haven't the slightest clue 
about anything that's going on. And now he's got Bhagavad Gita and, <laughs> and Dharmantu Sakshat. And now uh, he's saying, uh, in this age of Kali, <laughs> what is this? <laughs> but he's inviting them, just chant Hare Krishna. It's free of charge. Make an experiment. You're going to like it. Uh, and this is his uh, um, very forward uh, sort of what we, what Prabhupada called preaching. Now somewhere, I don't know if I'll find it. Oh, here it is. Yes. Um, how I found this, uh, this particular lecture, I was searching, as one does nowadays, I was searching the phrase, I came to your country. Prabhupada uses that phrase several times um, in his talks. So later in this, um, in this lecture, he says, this possibility is there simply by chanting these 16 words. Hare Krishna, Hare Krishna, Krishna Krishna, Hare Hare, Hare Rama, Hare Rama, Hare this is possible. This is practical. <laughs> Since I came to your country in 1965, dot, 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 of course, for one year, I was traveling here and there. But in 1966, I established first my class in New York at 26 Second Avenue. Uh, incidentally, who's been to 26 Second Avenue? Many of you. Um, 26 Second Avenue used to have a gas station next door. That's no longer there. Now there's a, I don't know how many stories building that's toe to toe, <laughs> elbow to elbow. <laughs> <laughs> with 26 seconds, but 26 Second Avenue is still there. Yeah, and <laughs> programs are still going on there. Um, then there are many branches now. We have got about 16 branches all over your country. Uh, and these students, they are chanting and they are taking to the austerity. Prophet introduces the austerity. <laughs> but also he's, uh, he's doing something that he would do a lot, especially in India, is he would boast. He would boast about the success of his mission. Sometimes he would say, um, we are distributing hundreds of thousands of books. Sometimes he would say, we are uh, bringing in $100,000 a day, right? <laughs> Something like that. <laughs> because for the, for the Indians, this is like, oh, he's not just a beggar. Okay, maybe we should listen to him. <laughs> um, but here he's a little bit, not bragging, but he's saying, don't think I'm just a beginning upstart. Uh, we, have, we have something established, it's serious, you can take this seriously. And then what does he say? He says, I don't accept any cheap student or cheap disciple. <laughs> and here it comes, hold on to your seats, students. My first condition is that there is no illicit sex life. There is no intoxication. There is no gambling and there is no meat eating. You can imagine half the audience standing up and leaving. <laughs> These four principles are there. But all my students in these 20, about 16 centers, one in London, one in Germany, but you will be surprised that all these boys and girls, they have taken to this austerity very seriously. They're not drinking even tea or smoking a cigarette. 
<clears throat> and then he says, and then I'll, uh, I'll uh, end and invite my God brothers to speak. So, spiritual life does not mean a whimsical life. It is, first of all, basic principle is that building character. In the Bhagavad Gita, you will find that when Arjuna is accepting Lord Krishna, he is saying that, quote, param brahma, param dhamma, pavitram, paramambala. And he doesn't translate that verse. He paraphrases, my dear Lord Krishna, you are the most purest, purest, most pure, param brahma, param dhamma, you are the supreme Lord, you are pure. So, idea is that if you want to have spiritual life, you have also become to become pure. Without being pure, that pureness, this evolution means gradual process of purifying process. And it goes on, the lecture, but um, you can listen to it yourselves. This is or read. This is from uh, April 29th, 1969 in Boston. So I just thought this is a nice way to enter into appreciating, remembering Srila Prabhupada today. Hare Krishna. Well, um, um, I was um, with Prabhupada a month before he left in uh, Vrindavan. We were doing the same thing that we're doing now at the BI, a conference um, on science and Bhagavatam. And we were doing the Life Comes from Life conference. So, um, um, Prabhupada at that point had uh, become very ill, had hardly eaten in months, really, anything, had become skin and bones. Um, he had a, you know, a particular uh, ailment, I don't need to go into that, but the question was, would Prabhupada stay with us or go? And Prabhupada had flown to London because he wanted to die on the battlefield, and he was going to go to Gita Nagri to establish some details of Varnashram. And when he got to London, they realized his visa had expired one day earlier. Because he had a green card, you had to be in America once a year, and this was the 366th day. So Balavanta, local devotee here, ran around as hard as he could, and he actually got the visa. But by then, the doctors in London had concluded, and Prabhupada's entourage, that his chances of living, at least by normal medical calculations, were very slim. So Prabhupada flew back to Vrindavan. And when he got to Vrindavan, um, various Kavirajas, Ayurvedic doctors would come give this or that medicine. But it became clear Prabhupada was going to go, was going to leave. So devotees were very upset and they said to Prabhupada, um, we can't be without you. I mean, at that time in the movement, um, there was hardly anybody over 30. And the hippie motto was don't trust anyone over 30. So, and there just was hardly anybody. I mean, maybe think Satsarup was 33 or something, old man. And, and so, and we had basically given up our families, given everything. Prabhupada was our guru, our father, just everything. And so then Prabhupada did something very clever. It was so brilliant. I, I meditate on this uh, all the time. Devotees went to Prabhupada, you can't leave. Now, do we ever demand of Krishna? 
Well, the answer is yes, we do. We pray a lot. But what prayer do you pray? You don't, I mean, you want Krishna's will. So Prabhupada came up with the most clever prayer. And he says, well, because he knew we want to pray and you can pray. My dear Lord Krishna, if you so desire, keep Prabhupada with us. What a perfect prayer. Because we're yielding to Krishna's will, but we're expressing our heartfelt desire. Because we have to express that. So Prabhupada gave us that. When I went, <clears throat> so that was September 1977, Prabhupada went to, um, back to Vrindavan. Um, October, mid-October, I went to India for the Life Comes from Life Conference. Sukh Damodar uh, had asked me to um, come and speak at the conference on a science topic. And uh, um, I was thinking, how would I ever get to India? But Krishna is miraculous this way. So I went to see my boss and I said, I need one week off because um, I had two weeks vacation and take three weeks. I need a week off without pay to go to, I said, a Peace Corps reunion. He wouldn't understand. He said, India, oh, as a geologist, they're putting up some leases for bid. We'll give you the week off with pay. We'll give you $1,000. You take the company jet to New York. So it was Krishna. So then on the plane, we landed in Tehran. That was when Iran was very American friendly, Pan Am flight stops. And I immediately call up my, one of my best friends, Atreya Rishi. And, um, hey, I'm in Tehran on the way to India. And they said, oh, he left this morning for India. He's gone. I never thought that my plane was five hours late and he was on that plane. So when I got off, I saw him and we immediately went to Vrindavan. It was again, Krishna magic, it was miraculous. And because he was GBC, I was able to get right into Prabhupada's room. And otherwise it, it might not be possible. So I get in Prabhupada's room and Prabhupada is there, skin and bones. Just, I mean, not that Prabhupada, like on the Vyasasan that we all knew, and he had dark glasses on in a darkened room because the sunlight would be, any light would be painful. And we walk in and he sees Treya's in front of me and he sees on Atreya's face this look of, ah, what happened? And Prabhupada starts laughing. I mean, really laughing. And he says, look, I've been telling you a thousand times I'm not this body. I'm living in my bones now. Will you finally believe me? And, and it was, it was, you know, we were like astounded. And Prabhupada, it was a painful position he had, but Prabhupada thought it was extremely funny. <laughs> uh, many times we don't understand Prabhupada's humor. When I look back and listen to things, Prabhupada was a lot funnier than because of the generation difference and cultural difference that we know. But many, many funny things he said. Uh, you know, my, you know, when my wife first met him, she wasn't a devotee at all, just met him, fiance met him, and uh, he, she asked a question and he answered in English. You know, fine English, I understood it, but she couldn't understand the accent. And he turns to me and goes, translate. <laughs> so uh, that was, so uh, we saw, so then we did this science conference and, and Prabhupada couldn't go to the conference. He was definitely too ill to go. But he, there was a bust of him that was made, a really beautiful one. At one time was actually in Gainesville. No idea what happened. And uh, he said, every night you take, every day you take the bust of me and just put on, you know, just my presence there in some way. And at night he'd call us in his room and he wanted our Sankirtan scores. Now Bhaktivedanta Institute Sankirtan scores are different. There are arguments. What did they say? Because we had some very prominent scientists in the courtyard of the Vrindavan temple, the Gurukul at Vrindavan. And what did you say? And they wanted to know, Prabhupada wanted to know what arguments were given. And could we stand up to the scientists, give arguments that life comes from life? And they had uh, one story which Prabhupada seemed to like, so I'll share it. 
one Indian man was there, and he thought he was going to get the Nobel Prize. I mean, in my mind, there's that reverse Nobel Prize for the stupidest thing done called the Ig Nobel. And he, my opinion, he was a candidate for the Ig Nobel Prize. But he thought he was going to get the Nobel Prize. So he, um, you know, these little toys, kids have liquid crystals, you touch it and many colors come out. So that can explain the entropy problem of how life can come from matter. Anyway, some silly, really silly theory. So he gives his talk, the end of his talk, and Prabhupada liked the story. The end of his talk, everyone, and people raise their hands. And one lady's raising her hand, he won't call on her. Finally, everyone else is called upon. And he has no choice but to call upon her. So she stands up, faces the audience, says, I want you to know that my husband up there who's saying all this nonsense, he goes every night, he goes and does Arctic. <laughs> that can only happen in India, I assure you. <laughs> and Prabhupada also was appreciated these stories. Every night we give him the Sankirtan. And then we um, sadly got to say goodbye. And with that prayer in our heart, what really sustained us, my dear Lord Krishna, if you so desire, keep Prabhupada with us. And that prayer purified all of us. So when Prabhupada left, you know, there was such a void on one hand. On the other hand, it didn't touch our faith in Krishna at all. So thank you very much. Hare Krishna. Just briefly wanted to say, um, just very subjectively, when Srila Prabhupada was physically present with us, we were all like little grandchildren, knowing that Grandpa is always there and will always solve any problem. I think that was the, the biggest difference I have perceived in, in uh, those days and these days. That There was no issue, there was no problem, there was no uh, difficulty that he could not resolve. And so we all felt so very safe, protected, and confident. And uh, after his departure, we had to adjust. We're still adjusting. <laughs> but the beautiful thing is that what Srila Prabhupada gave us lives on. And Srila Prabhupada's mission lives on, and it is as viable today as ever, in spite of his physical absence. And that's why he left these books and these lectures and the biography is there, so everyone can know Srila Prabhupada. 53 memoirs. And they keep coming. <laughs> Govinda Dasis just released a really nice one, yeah. So <clears throat> that was my um, subjective experience, being a young man in Prabhupada's presence. It was kind of like being with Jesus just seeing from afar and not comprehending at all. <laughs> and now in my declining years, appreciating how Srila Prabhupada did what he did at this stage of life. Yes. And uh, how superhuman that was. So thank you for being his followers. Thank you for learning about him, bringing him into your life. You will not ever regret that decision. <laughs> <laughs> Present company accept. Druta Karma Prabhu, would you like to share some some realization? Oh, I had a microphone. Tell one more quick story. So Prabhupada would call us in at night to his room, and he couldn't see well. And his secretary, Tamal Krishna Goswami, said, Prabhupada, your scientists are here, and we're all wearing suits and ties, the five of us. And he said, they're here. Prabhupada immediately said, get them chairs. And at that time, we were a floor society. Uh, we, we didn't have knee problems that do come in our declining years. And, and, and um, um, so... Somebody found two chairs, so two, two of us sat on one chair, two on another, and then one of us went like this. Kaprabha could see that, well, we didn't know what to do. Okay. Mm. 
you people are absolutely ruining my observance of Srila Prabhupada's disappearance. You are really wrecking it. Because you're following his instructions, you're chanting, you're dancing, you're... <laughs> really feel Srila Prabhupada's presence. So this is uh, very... Very disturbing. <laughs> but, um, I mean, it said, you know, the grandfather is more kind to the grandchildren than his, his own children. So you're really manifesting that. Um, <laughs> So I was always sort of feeling uh, separation from Srila Prabhupada, even when he was here. Um, <clears throat> I was fortunate enough to see him and hear him give class a few times, but I never had a personal exchange with him. So even when he was present, I had learned to associate with him through his books. And it's something I do every day. I study Srila Prabhupada's books every day, a certain amount of time. And it really is like associating with him personally, if you see it in that way. You know, that he, you know, he himself said, I'm present in my books. So, uh, even devotees who come into this movement, you know, second generation, third generation, fourth generation, they can make and keep a connection with Srila Prabhupada by studying his books, following his instructions. Hare Krishna. Thank you very much. Yes, um, Prabhupada's disappearance day. In one sense, of course, we can celebrate the passing of a Vaishnav, going back to Krishna, having achieved incredible service on behalf of uh, Krishna and Lord Chaitanya. But for the devotees, it's tough. You know, remembering the loss of our spiritual master. So for us, it's an obs observation, you know, of the occasion. Um, it's a particular type of meditation. And um, at Bhaktivedanta Manor, where I was stationed, we were very fortunate that being London and being a center that he had spent so much energy, particularly spent three months there in 1973, uh, when we first uh, were given the, uh, the property and installing the deities, he really kind of was giving a lot of attention to how it was set up and running. So he was coming each year, and we had been used to seeing Prabhupada in his, you know, full vigor. You know, Prabhupada wasn't large, he was quite short, but his presence filled the space, and there was an effulgence, and the way he moved was just graceful. It would, it would appear that he was floating. You know, every single movement that he made was just, you know, really special. I remember one darshan watching him eating a piece of mango. And it wasn't like how I might do gobble gobble, you know. <laughs> he was eating <laughs> the, uh, from the skin of the mango, just taking his time. And it just went on and on. And not one drop of juice spilled. <laughs> It was mesmerizing. So this was our Srila Prabhupada. So when he came, we heard that Prabhupada was coming in 1977. We were amazed. This was the summer of 77, just a few months before he passed, because we knew he, his health had been precarious. 
and we couldn't believe that he was coming to the West. But he was doing that to encourage us. Um, on the plane flight over, it stopped in uh, Rome. And he was traveling economy, you know, and there was a four hour delay just sitting on the plane on the runway or tarmac at Rome. And Tamal Krishna, who, Maharaj, who was with uh, Prabhupada, you know, felt, how is Prabhupada coping with all of this? Because Prabhupada was not actually able to move a muscle practically. The bones were touching the skin. The doctors who examined him in London said, any ordinary person would be screaming in pain with this because the bones are pressing against the nerves constantly. Prabhupada was just sitting with full composure. So Tamal Maharaj says, you know, um, when we get to London, the devotees will be so pleased to see you. He was trying to give encouragement. And Prabhupada just said, yes, it is good that we have come. And as Maharaj said, he would quote this, I have come to your country. And this was Prabhupada's intention to come back to the West, to give one last set of instructions, guidance and encouragement that we can all take. So here's just a few little things that I learned from Prabhupada during that um, particular visit. Prabhupada would be spending time, a lot of time in his room, very quiet, um, but he would call our local GBC and temple president, and he would call them, come quickly. So the Sarah servant would rush around, find Titus and Vichitavaria, bring them up. You know, we wondered, what was Prabhupada going to ask? What was he going to tell us? And Prabhupada said, so how were the cows? One thing that Prabhupada was very concerned for, how were the cows? Another time he called they came running. Are the devotees getting nice prasadam? And if it was here in Gainesville, he'd be saying, are the students getting nice prasadam? He would have asked. You can be sure. So, so, so important. One, and then uh, when Prabhupada would come down each day, we would carry him on a palanquin. And the Vyasan was pushed a little bit back in its little alcove, and the palanquin was placed in front of it. And probably sitting there, and Mr. Krishna Maharaj said, you know, the jet set, Prabhupada with the big dark sunglasses, and he'd be sitting there, practically motionless. He asked us not to sing the uh, Guru Puja song, because the emotions shared between disciple and spiritual master are so strong that it was difficult for his body to contain that. So we just chanted Hare Krishna. And the kirtan was pretty wild. We had devotees that come from all over Europe, particularly the Germans, <laughs> who were the biggest distributor in the world. <laughs> and different devotees remember this slightly differently. But we, the kirtan was going on and Prabhupada was just sitting there watching. And then he made a movement with his hand. And I said, different devotees have described it differently. My recollection is he did this. Just that. And of course the devotees understood what that meant. <laughs> I just hit the ceiling. And, and then this huge smile came across Prabhupada. You know, just amazing. So that's my take from that is, if you really want to please uh, Prabhupada in Kirtan, <laughs> off the floor, Kirtan, Kirtan begins when you defy gravity. <laughs> Hare Krishna. Hare Krishna. Hare Krishna. Um, I wrote something um, because um, on these days, I try to report to Prabhupada um, in terms of what I'm doing with what's left of my life. So with the devotee's permission, I could read that. It'll only 
Should only take a minute or two. And it does relate to Prabhupada's experience. In November 1977, just hours before your departure, you were lying in your bed in Vrindavan, surrounded by a few disciples. You had not eaten a decent meal in several months and had reduced your intake to meal. Your body was basically skin and bones. When you spoke, your jaw barely moved. Your voice was barely above a whisper. A microphone was held above your mouth to capture this Bhaktivedanta purport, which I call your departing gift. By hearing, by discussing Srimad Bhagavatam, this Rajaguna, Tamaguna are subdued. Then Sattva Guna remains. Nasta, Praheshu, Abhadreshu, Nityam Bhagavata Sevaya. Then Rajaguna, Tamaguna cannot do us harm. Therefore, Varnashrama Dharma is so essential that people live in Sattvagun. Tamaguna, Rajaguna increases lust and greediness, and that implicates the living entity who exists in this material world in many, many forms. Therefore, they should be brought into Satvagun by the establishment of Varnashrama Dharma. On this occasion of your divine disappearance, I'd like to give you a report on the activities of the Institute for Advanced Social Design. As you know, the Institute is working to promote your mission of reestablishing Varnashrama. To date, we have held over 20 training sessions where we have discussed your instructions with a view to implementation. These discussions have been enlightening, revealing, and motivating. Participants have come away determined to move forward with this mission. Here are the plans that we are envisioning for the near future. Your instructions in the book speaking about Varnashrama are being reformatted by for Amazon print on demand. This will allow anyone to have access to a print copy of this important book. Having a printed copy will be a requirement for participating in the upcoming certification courses that will be taught by the Institute. The Speaking About Varnashrama book will be the basis of a certification in advanced social design. We hope that this training will encourage your followers to present Varnashrama with increasing clarity, with reference to your instructions, and with reference to your desire for its revival. Also planned is a book trailer to promote and reintroduce speaking about Varnashrama to ISKCON, since most of your followers have not read it. We are envisioning reaching the entire English-speaking part of ISKCON. Hare Krishna Dasi, who compiled the original speaking about Varnashrama, has agreed to compile a second volume which will deal with Brahmanas and Chatriyas. I'm working with her on another book idea, Four Simple Steps to Reestablish Varnashrama, which will be based on the simplest set of your instructions and Shastra. Our most ambitious endeavor is by the second quarter of, the, of next year to have an online school of Chatriya training, starting with your instructions and proceeding through other resources as directed by you. This could be a game changer in reestablishing Varnashrama. All of this is important in the mission of spreading Krishna consciousness as envisioned by you. During the years 1974, through your departure on this day in 1977, you patiently instructed your followers on the importance of Varnashrama. At that time, we did not understand your vision, so we asked off-topic questions and even argued its relevance. And today, largely, we're still doing the same. I ask that you bless me with the patient, patient determination needed to carry on this work. 
Much remains to be done in this challenging pursuit. By your mercy, we expect to be successful in this endeavor. Falling at your feet and begging to be engaged, we remain your servant. Hare Krishna. Um, yeah, I didn't have anything prepared to say, so I'm just thinking on the spot. But um, yeah, to see it's said that um, all of Prabhupada's disciples and all of all of the different personalities are like reflections of different qualities of Srila Prabhupada, and, and they they manifest different. Um, different aspects of Srila Prabhupada's teachings. And I, I can really see that, like, Srila Prabhupada was so, I mean, he's our, our founder, Acharya, he's everything. And, and you know, as, um, and, and his disciples all have some part of that. And if we look at the differences, we might be bewildered. Like, sometimes there's different opinions and there's, um, yeah, just different ways of viewing things. But when we look at, the whole picture and, and what ISKCON is meant for, then we see Srila Prabhupada. We see Srila Prabhupada through his disciples, through their various um, ways of preaching and, and relating to the devotees that they're trying to um, cultivate. And also I wanted to say that um, for me, I've, I've been reading more of Srila Prabhupada's books lately and that has... Um, yeah, it's definitely something that I would recommend to everybody to read, like a specific amount of time per day, like um, Prabhu is saying, it's life-changing. And yeah, makes us feel very connected to Prabhupada and to this movement. Anyone else? Hare Krishna. Um, for me, being a follower of Srila Prabhupada means um, having a more independent mind and perspective than I ever thought was possible. Um, I think uh, I think all of us, to some extent, um, try to you know understand who we are and what our place is in the world and how we relate to other people, and try to find an answer that satisfies us so that we can you know live our lives. Uh, satisfied that we are, you know, that we are really ourselves. Um, but when I, when I found Srila Prabhupada, it helped me see that there were even more layers, sort of like, you know, um, y- you, you think you're looking out into the world and seeing the world clearly, and then you realize you're looking through a window and it's a little bit, uh, it's a little bit smudged. And then you, uh, you just kind of keep repeating that process and understanding that. Actually, when you thought that you were being yourself and you were being uh, independently minded <clears throat> and doing what you wanted in the world, that that wasn't actually true. That, um, you know, for various reasons, you're always constrained by, um, it, by conditioning, by society and these kinds of things. And um, Srila Prabhupada's example and the way he was so independent and the way that he uh, really was a force to be reckoned with um, and that, you know, he, he was able to stand all alone by himself um, and, and do what he really thought would be right for the world. Um, and, and everybody seeing that power that he had um, and understanding that, you know, you can also do that too. And what you, and what you need to do is to, to keep digging and to keep understanding your conditioning and then when you're afraid that nobody will stand by you, you can remember that Krishna is there. So um, that is that is a, a wonderful example, and that's something that I try to follow in my own life. <laughs> Thank you very much, Christina, Rema, and I'm sure there'd be more if we had time. 
I just want to conclude by giving my heartfelt thanks to Raninath Prabhu, Rakanadi Prabhu, Dhrita Karma Prabhu, Brahmatirtha Prabhu, and Krishna Chaitra Maharaj. Thank you for sharing this day with us here in Krishna House. I think Prima um, nailed it when she was explaining how, yes, every, every uh, one of Prabhupada's uh, disciples represents a certain quality of him. As Christina was pointing out, this is the actual nature of Krishna consciousness, though it may appear homogenous. The devotees are quite individual in their realizations and applications of their connection with Krishna. And that, that uh, legacy of Srila Prabhupada belongs to us all. So with that, I hope you have a wonderful day remembering Srila Prabhupada on this occasion and uh, serving him under the direction of Advaita Charya Prabhu, those who are going in the University of Florida, to the others who are not. <laughs> and uh, um, there are, is there a special program this evening? Or we're going to Alachua this evening at 5 p.m. Okay, so everyone can join us for that as well. Srila Prabhupada Ki Jai. Shishigornitai Ki Jai. Sadhu Sangha Ki Jai.